Wayne, you know South Australia made the final? All this talk around WA and hosting and the treble and... What, is that the 1995-96 final? Back no, no, no. This is the Marsh One Day Cup final, which is next oh, Wednesday. Oh, Marsh Cup One Day At the Wacker. Okay. And South Australia, the opponents, absolutely hammered Victoria in the final round of the Marsh One Day Cup on Sunday to set up a return date with, with WA. Amazing, isn't it? Well, Theodoropoulos will be smiling. His two South Australian AFL clubs are over here as well, Port Adelaide and Adelaide. So there's a bit of a link between the two states at the moment. You can catch Theo's work on the Seven Network. We actually caught him on our television screens the other night down at Coburn. He's back in Adelaide now, though, and he joins us on the show. Hello, Theo. Good morning, fellas. Nice to speak to you. Um, how long were you over here for? Did you just get the day trip over to, to the west? Uh, I had about four or five days, actually. Came over on the Wednesday night and then left on the Monday. I tell you what, Coburn's uh, that's, uh, had a bit of a facelift, hasn't it? Not quite what I remember Coburn to be. Looks all right. The doctor's mm. facility is fantastic. It was good to watch a bit of footy. But uh, whoever came up with the idea of seven-quarter mm. matches of football needs to promptly drift off into retirement and never return. That was like watching a test match of a footy game. It was hard, but it was um, good to see a few of Brio's young players in action. I mean, you talk about Luke Jackson and Andy Brayshaw and then even O'Meara. They, they looked really tidy, actually. So, yeah, we've got to see some pretty good footy out west. It's nice. Um, was it a bit of a family catch-up as well? And sort of they get that desire to come back to WA? Oh, absolutely, Danny, yeah. We uh, caught up with everybody that was around and managed to sneak down to the beach a couple of times, a few of the old watering holes we managed to say good day. So, yeah, uh, always a pleasure out west. If you know anyone that needs someone, then yeah, give me a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Theo, we will talk about the Crows and the Power uh, with their respective trips to the west and the pre-season games official that will take place in the next day or so. But um, South Australia qualifying for the Marsh One Day Cup, They've played some very good one-day cricket this year. Their one aberration was against WA a week or so ago. It should be a good game, shouldn't it? Well, you'd think so. I mean, WA on paper. I mean, I, I don't know who to bury for. I, I'm sort of torn because I, WA just keeps winning everything. So we may not, there's no point in breaking that run. But also, the last time South Australian men won a 50-over trophy was the 2012, end of the 2012 season so we have to keep that record intact so we can say the last time that we stepped foot on the grass we won a trophy so whether that record will be broken I mean we're talking 10 years it'd be nice to see the current crop um it's a shame you know they're without Alex Carey and Travis Head I think it would be fantastic if those guys were involved in winning a trophy for SA being parochial SA lads but of course they've got a couple of bigger fish to fry over in India so yeah gonna be a great game um really looking forward to it and and nice to see South Australia competing for a title, albeit, uh, you know, just the one, but still in the mix in the shield if they get a few results to go their way. But, yeah, you've got to be in it to win it, don't you? Yeah, and the thing about them, they've got individual players that can turn a game, haven't they? I, that's that's the frustration, I think, when you look at South Australia's batting lineup and even some of their bowling and that, that they do have the skill and the, it's just that consistency. But it just needs a, a couple of guys to, to have a day out, doesn't it? Well, finals are funny games, Danny. I mean, you would know better than most of us that they, the nerves get to people. And you, you play funny shots and you bowl funny balls and, you know, your hands aren't as sure. I mean, the night that we beat, well, we drew with Tassie to win because we were the top-ranked side. I mean, we dropped Ricky Ponding twice on 50 and one on 80 and George Bailey went on to make 130 and somehow we escaped. So finals are funny games. I mean, they're not often your sort of 330 v 320. Sometimes they can be sort of your 200 v 180 in there. They're intriguing games of cricket, so 
I think what South Australia has done is uh, Spencer Johnson's into the side. I mean, we saw him in the big bash. He was a call of revelation, but we've known about him for some time. Just hasn't got himself fit. And WH, isn't it great to see Mitch Marsh back, fellas? I mean, he's just a complete game changer for that side. So, yeah, I think both sides outside of the international guys will have close to full fitness and we should be in for a crack at There's just one kid in South Australia who I'd like to see get a gig and you probably wouldn't pick him for a final, but there's a guy called Jake Winter and he plays club cricket. He was contracted to SA for a, a couple of years. He absolutely smashes him and he was really close to playing during the week against WA and then against Victoria and just missed out. He just adds a different dynamic. You think about the way Mitch Marsh hits the ball, well, this is the same. Uh, I think if you look at Carter and Drew in that SA top order, I mean, I'd, I know who I'd rather be bowling to uh, if it was a choice of you know, Winter and these other two guys. Give me Carter and, and Drew any day. Winter absolutely smashes them. So whether they have the courage to, to do that, who knows, but I suspect they'll stay unchanged. Uh, Winter, any relation to Nick? No. No. Okay, there you go. Just to, uh, just namesakes. Uh, the, the two South Australian clubs preparing for season 2023, Port Adelaide and, and Adelaide. Adelaide beat Fremantle. That was probably important for them, their development. Port Adelaide easing into their pre-season went down narrowly to the Eagles. Uh, what's been the, the response back home to the two Adelaide clubs starting their pre-season? Uh, well, I mean, the Crows won. It, it was good for them to get a result, really, wasn't it? I mean, in terms of... They need to take some confidence out of their preseason, just to know that their game their game plan is on the right track, and and also to get a bit of confidence. You know, you spend so much time in the summer trying to hone what you're meant to do and where you're meant to be, and just to see a result is great. But I think the Eagles game, and then more importantly, going into round one. I mean, they've got such a, a difficult start. I think from memory, they've got the Giants, Richmond, a showdown, Fremantle, and Carlton all in the first five rounds and now you think every single one of those teams is going to be pushing for well I mean they all probably want to be pushing for top four don't they I mean Carlton will try and get in the finals and then outside of that you've got some real contenders so for Adelaide Taylor Walker will play um, good to see Darcy Fogarty going okay as well and, and then you've got sort of Rochelle Rankin and Dawson are the other guys you want to see in action but they're all sort of superstars in the making if they're not already I mean Dawson and, and Rankin are, are genuine stars of the competition and then for Port Adelaide well, look, at a slip-up against the Eagles, but again, similarly, their, their intra-club scratch match was pretty sloppy. You know, it was a bit of a grind, and I think they'll want to put out you know, a much better performance against Fremantle. They'll get Dixon back, Darcy Byrne-Jones and Zach Butters too, and Travis Bokes out with a bit of a, a rib problem, but look, he'll be fine for round one. And for Port Adelaide, it's just about banking enough wins to keep the heat off Ken Hinckley until they can sort of pencil in a finals berth. And, I mean, really, for them, it's... If they have to make a prelim final or he doesn't coach there next year. I mean, you obviously watch a fair bit of the training and all that. So this uh, Horn Francis, uh, he's just a kid, but he seems a bull. Um, what are you expecting from him? I mean, what, what, have you, what's your, what have you noticed about him? Well, not to put too much expectation on him because he's only coming into his second year, but he will be a Dangerfield equivalent sort of player. And speaking to some of his Port Adelaide teammates, they already see the comparisons with Dangerfield. And then, I mean, I can't reveal who possibly said this, but tongue-in-cheek, they said, well, he actually kicks the ball a little bit better than Dangerfield does as well. So if he's got the ability to get into stoppage, into contest and burst away with his speed, he really drives his legs. You know, that, that typical Dangerfield style when you think about 
him bursting away from you know, a pack of opponents and then delivering the ball on foot. So he's only in his second year, as I said. He'll play in the midfield. He's going to start in the midfield alongside Ollie Wines and Scott Lysaday. What, what an initiation that'll be against the Eagles. And then from there, you'd expect him to roll through half forward a little bit, share that with you know, Connor Rosie and Zach Butters. Travis Boak will go forward too. So just, in, just until he gets... Uh, yeah, he, he adapts to the speed of what Port Adelaide wants to do. You, you give him, you know, five or ten games, don't you? New club, new style, just to settle the nerves in front of friends and family. And then, look, I think we'll be talking about Jason Horn Francis as one of the great South Australian players in a decade to come. Completely confident in saying that. What about the other two you just mentioned there in the, in the following uh, situation in, in Lysette and Wines, especially Lysette? How fit is he, and and how important is he, and and also. Ollie Wines. Well, he's very important, isn't he? I mean, he was the number one ruck for a couple of years here. He's coming off a shoulder. Uh, I mean, he was the backup at West Coast for so long to Nick Nanui, but a premiership player. And then up following that, he decided to move back home. Look, he is important. But I think we've seen, you know, the emergence of Bryn Teekle, another good West Aussie. And what we've seen from, you know, teams now, they're either willing to play a couple of superstar ruck pairings. I mean, you think of Darcy and Jackson, you think of Grundy and Gorn. Uh, it will be important, but what we've seen from sides is that they can cover if one of their big men goes down. But primarily, Lysett will get first crack, and then Ollie Wines, well, I mean, he's a Brownlow medalist, isn't he? He's, he's Port Adelaide's midfield barometer, really, when he gets going and, and gets it inside and, and flicks it out to his sort of butters and Rosie. They can really run and generate speed. So both of those guys, completely crucial. Both coming off a uh, little uh, a knee niggle for Ollie Wines and a shoulder for Scott, but Scott's fully fit. Ollie probably played half of the practice game and eased into things against the Eagles, and I reckon he's full toed odds against the Dockers from there, fellas. They've got to hit the ground running in round one because there's not long to go. Yeah, very much so. Theo, just before we let you go, a lot of pressure on Ken Hinckley, and he's probably the coach under the most pressure. Adelaide have just re- released a five-year plan and what they hope to achieve, and everyone has these bold, ambitious plans, and that includes a premiership for the Crows, their new base I move into by 2026 as well. well. What's the pressure like on Matthew Nix heading into this season? Still probably not as much as on some other coaches. I think all Nixie and the Crows have to do is just be in games and probably nudging the eight. I don't think they need to make finals. He's well and truly contracted going forward, so yeah, not a not a great deal of pressure. I think it'll be more around the style. If they're blown out in games and they're losing by sort of consistently in excess of six, seven goals, then questions will be asked. But I think if we just see a bit of improvement, the bar is a little bit lower, obviously, than Port Adelaide. And you know, I think if they're around that sort of you know, 11 to 8 mark, I'd say for Adelaide, that's a tick. See, I just dug up the scorecard from South Australia's last 50 over triumph. Teropolis 40 oh off 34 with four sixes. Thank you, Jason Crozier. Only <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of test matches, and Theo got hold of him at the Adelaide Oval in that memorable game. That's where Punter took the pads off at the end, wasn't it? And, and tried to uh, yep. tried to run through for the, the winning run. But um, who bowled the last over? It was Gary Putland, wasn't it? Gary Putland. Four off the last over. George Bailey got a leg by down a fine leg that hit him on the shin in front of middle stump. They had the review system in that year. They had the third umpire could communicate with the umpire to overturn a decision. Luckily, that was done. So they needed four or four. James Faulkner came to the crease. The first ball went over the keeper's head from a Yorker for two. They needed two off three. Gary Putland managed to bowl three dot balls. Ricky Ponting stood at the non-striker's end at 80-odd not out. The greatest player of the modern era couldn't get on strike. And 
consequently has never won a title for Tasmania. Wow. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. But a great game of cricket. And, uh, well, let's hope from our point of view, South Australia can't reprise it next Wednesday. Theo, thanks for your time this morning. All the best, fellas. Good on you, Theo. Theo Dropolis joining us.